Hi, welcome to valuationpodcast.com. I'm your host, Melissa Gregg, a valuation expert witness in St. Louis, Missouri. I have the pleasure today to discuss fraud in times of crisis with Mark Nicholas. He is a CPA and a forensic accountant with a 28-person accounting firm in St. Louis, as well as Bloomington and Decatur, Illinois. Welcome, Mark. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me, Melissa. So you are always dealing with forensics and fraud, but they become a little bit more apparent during times of crisis. So let's talk a little bit, you know, you hear all of these stories about fraud going up when people are going through pandemics or crisis or recessions or any of those types of things. But what should business owners really look for and watch out for as we deal with this pandemic? Well, unfortunately, most people live paycheck to paycheck. Thus, this COVID-19 matters left millions of people unemployed. And unemployment, while it's doing paying out well right now, it doesn't really cover everything that people are used to in terms of their wages. It's This COVID-19 thing has sidelined a lot of plans for college, for simply being able to fix something in your house, uh, for job changes, whatever it is. And some people are just fighting to be able to put food on the table. Um, things to think about is the, the need for money is usually what drives it. And understand that most frauds are committed by people who never in their life would have ever considered stealing. They just simply need to borrow something temporarily to help get them through. And that borrowing often turns into a long-term fraud. Make sure as an employer, you're watching for also supplier and contract fraud. Uh, suppliers, repair people, they are all needing money. They're needing to get busy and start making money. Fraud is prevalent in those circles as well. Watch for payroll fraud, including padding your time or padding of time cards, unauthorized commissions, unauthorized bonuses, things like that. Things that you used to as a business owner eh, pay pay attention to, but you didn't watch real close because you knew how things were running. Well, now in this time of chaos, it's important to watch those things closer because it's really easy to sneak things in. And of course, watch for altered bookkeeping records. Again, something you don't typically look for because you know your business, you know what to expect, but look for those altered bookkeeping records or the numbers just not quite adding up and making sense. Well, because I think that one thing that people may not understand is it's not that fraud just all of a sudden becomes more prevalent in times of crisis. It sort of becomes uncovered in times of crisis, as well as, you know, they used to talk about like a fraud triangle, maybe now it's a fraud square, but there has to be the opportunity, right? Um, I mean, there has to be like kind of some holes in the accounting systems or, you know, too many people have too much control over writing the checks and doing things, but there also has to be, you know, a need for it. And so right now we're seeing the need increase, which then you have to justify it. If, if your employer just got 150000 or $2 million in PPP loans, 
right? And you're like, yeah. well, he's doing great. He's fine. I can take a little bit of it. He's not even going to have to pay it back. You know, all of those things. That's the justification that goes through somebody's mind that really they're not criminals. They're not like serial, uh, you know, thieves, right? They just yeah. have the need. There is the opportunity and they can justify it in saying that they have too much. I'll kind of take it. Um, so how can or what can um, business owners do to protect themselves during these times? Well, one of the first thing is setting the tone within a business. This is a great time to revise your employee policies, get things back out in front of employees as they get back to work about especially things of handling cash, um, handling inventory, um, time off and how that's handled, purchasing and how are things purchased within a company. Get those employees, employee policies out in front of people, have them re-sign re the employee policy manuals. It's a great reminder as we get back to work. Consider installing security cameras. Um, that, that should be something that already exists, but for sensitive areas where things can disappear, now's the time to install those security cameras. Consider whether you need to have some type of internal audit of how your processes for accounting, for cash, for inventory, these sensitive areas are handled. And this helps develop, if you don't have it, a written process of what to look at, how to handle things, or just kind of shore up those policies to be sure things are working the way you intend them to. Absolutely, if you're a cash-based business, watch those cash drawers. Closer than ever now, make sure cash is tying out, make sure you have a good point of sale system or a method for recording a sale, and then reconciling cash to your sales. And certainly watch what bills are being paid. It's really easy for somebody to slip in their own utility bill with the larger company utility bill and get it paid that way. A lot of frauds happen with that. Those are some kind of high level initial things to keep an eye out for. Well, and it's interesting. I didn't think about it until just now, but you you have a situation um happening during a crisis, like they, they used to say, make sure your employees take vacations, right? So you take a week vacation, especially people in the accounting department or dealing with payments and receiving checks. Well, for a lot of companies, everybody has kind of gone on a bit of a vacation. If not truly a vacation, they've had to leave the office and then do things um, working from home and online which I think could be one of the precursors to unveiling some of the fraud that's happening. They don't have their systems that they, you know, if they're, if they're lapping checks or if they're doing like some sophisticated scheme, they don't have the capability to can keep it up if they're working from home. Um, but also a business owner could use this time to review like, Hey, everybody, let's just see, how things are working. Like, how does this work if a payment comes in? How are we going to do it different if people are working at home? I think that's going to uncover a ton of fraud that nobody even knew existed, right? You're exactly right. And we're seeing that now. We, we've seen a couple cases of that just recently ourselves uh, from clients. 
as well as now's the time to put into place um, some type of system that allows for other employees or outside people to submit an anonymous tip. Because actually that's how most frauds are uncovered are through tips. So that's another thing to consider at this point, putting in place. One last quick thing to help cover you is to check your insurance coverages for fraud. Now's a great time to make sure you're covered properly if fraud does occur. And I think that a lot of businesses are already trying to look at their insurance policies in general for like coverage during this time, kind of a business interruption yep. situation. Um, so looking at it from the perspective, because that kind of gets us into the next question is like, what should a business owner do if they suspect that they're, they are victims of fraud? You know, what do they do if they think something's happening, but they don't know for sure? So first thing everyone wants to do is go fire somebody, whether that's an employee, a vendor, whoever it is, be very careful there. Make sure you've got proof first. I have seen so many lawsuits by employees against their employer for wrongful termination because they didn't have the proof. Um, and a lot of employees who did defraud the company actually won the lawsuit. So that's, that's top of mind is don't overreact. That's really hard. Second, gather proof of the fraud. If, if you know what you're doing and what you're looking for and you've got the proof, great. But if you don't, find somebody who can help you uncover that fraud, get all the evidence you need, and make sure that it has occurred and that you are in the right by taking whatever action you need to. And then consult an attorney familiar with employment law if it's an employee issue, and just general contract law if it's a vendor type issue. Um, you want to make sure your I's are dotted, T's are crossed, you handle it all correctly, again, so you don't get sued yourself, and you make sure that you've got everything in order to be able to prosecute, get your money back, or simply divorce yourself from the relationship. Because those are some of the next steps. Like, you kind of have to think, what's the end goal? You know, is it to remove them? Is it to recover any of the money? Is it to, um, you know, get some reimbursement for that? Or is it just to stop the bleeding? Because there's some statistics out there, and I don't know exactly what they are, but like a huge percentage, probably more than 70% or so of people who do some sort of um, fraudulent behavior at their place of work are first timers. Like they're not, they haven't done this before. They, again, going back to that fraud triangle, they just saw an opportunity and they had a need and they could rationalize it. It could yep. have just been the first time, you know, they don't make this a habit. And in my mind, that also makes them very clumsy with covering it up. And so it's usually pretty apparent that something's going on um, unless they've been doing it for a long time and they've been getting away with it for a long time and they have a system, you know, um, but that's what we normally think of as somebody stealing, you know, a person stealing from a company. So one of the questions is, you know, like we, we think of fraud as an employee or somebody inside stealing from the company, but who else could also steal from businesses? Well, one of the um, ones I mentioned earlier that I can't 
really ignore, and then you should should not ignore suppliers. Supplier fraud happens a lot. Do you get shorted on what you're sent, and yet you have to pay for it? Um, are you not getting the quality of what you should when you buy it? Are you able to return things? Um, are they simply billing you and shouldn't? There's a surprising amount of supplier fraud out there because people don't tend to think that that is fraud. They don't tend to look that close. They just, just assume their suppliers are honest in what they do. Oddly enough, customers. Um, there are certain fraud schemes that allow customers to get in and start to take advantage of you. So you need to make sure that the sales process that you're doing is a solid sales process and that you are protected. Um, employees, family members. Employees go home, they talk about things. Uh, you end up inadvertently letting information out about your employer, how things operate at your um, family, at your workplace and your family members find out somebody has a need, some family member has a need and they take advantage of that in some way, shape or form. That's usually direct theft, but it can be some type of white collar crime as well. The last one that really comes to mind as one of the top four is repair services. Make sure that if you're ordering, needing repairs, you're doing upgrades, make sure it's all very well spelled out in an estimate. Make sure that estimate is followed and needed. It always is a good idea to get more than one estimate when looking for repair services. And then make sure that it's done to the quality and using the quality of materials that you've requested. Well, and I think sometimes you said family members, but I was thinking, you know, there's a lot of times where we've seen family run businesses that have family members working in the business. And they're like, it's my family. Like they would be okay if I took a thousand dollars or I'm going to pay it back. That's the, that's what you hear a lot is I planned on paying it back. I'm going to pay it back. Um, it's just that I needed it right then. And my dad wouldn't care or my uncle wouldn't care or whatever. But that is actually, you know, when I talk to some business owners, and they'll be like, oh, I have my my brothers doing the books, you know, or accounting or something. I'm like, I understand that you love them, but sometimes those people are still doing things that they can justify, but that are still not right. You know, so you kind of have to look at everyone. You can't you can't just hyper look at the un the third party employees. You have to look at everyone and how the systems are working, right? You are correct. Yeah, You're so, absolutely right with that. What about, um, I think that you mentioned something really interesting, but what is identity theft? You know, does it identity theft actually have to apply to businesses or I hadn't heard of that one? Well, you know, we, we hear a lot about identity theft of our credit cards being stolen, um, even healthcare, you know, our healthcare insurance being used in a different way. But everything we hear is about personal individual identity theft. And it's a huge problem um, in the country and in the world. Having said that, businesses are subject to identity theft as well. Um, it's really not that hard to get a credit card in a business name, in a company name that then you use for whatever purpose you want. Um, We've all seen credit applications come in the mail, email, or simply online. 
Um, loans can easily be obtained in a company name with the fraudster having only minimal information about the company. All of a sudden, the company is on the hook for a hundred grand. They never get notice about the loan in the first place or loan payments. And it can take years for them to figure out that they're being accused of having defaulted on a loan that somebody set up in their name. It's very easy to change an address and simply have mail go a different place or email go a different place. And thus you modify bills, they get diverted, and thus you conceal the fraud. So when you think of business identity theft, it's actually in some ways easier than personal identity theft. Interesting. Well, and it makes me think of, not that we're, is a little bit of a different slice of this topic, but it makes me think about all of these PPP loans that, you know, we're reading about people paying them back, that they got them, you know, through the relationships with their bank. And I think there's going to be a huge fallout in that process. But is that really what we should be focused on? Or should we be focused, you know, as a business owner, should we be more focused on what's happening internally or what's happening externally? Like, does it really matter um, what's happening there? You know, both. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's part of owning a business is you have multiple hats to wear. And really both are important. You have to shore up your business inside. You have to watch and adapt to the market outside. Um, it can be overwhelming at times, but it's critical to a business's success. Both are. And then one final question I have is, you know, in your experience, have you seen that a lot of businesses are, are covered if an employee steals? Like they have insurance coverage or is that kind of only if you've gotten that specific language at the very beginning when you got the insurance? I am seeing more and more businesses start to pay for coverage. They're starting to realize that they need it. They are getting a little more concerned, hearing more stories um, of why it's important. But I think you're well below 25% of the businesses out there, in my experience, that have any type of coverage for any type of fraud that may happen. Oddly enough, many have coverage that covers social media um, type things, or even electronics um, stealing of customer data and such. But that doesn't necessarily cover the type of fraud we just talked about. Um, so having those different coverages, having an insurance person that helps you understand all those different coverages, really important. So it's not only about revisiting what your current insurance could be, but it might be if this, if we're going to enter a period of who knows how long, six months, 12 months, 18 months, two years, where we're going to have kind of this struggle, right, with the crisis, it might be a wise decision to look into that if you could even get some coverage, you know, from that respect. But it, you at least need to revisit it to know what kind of situation you could be in, right? You do. And unfortunately, most business owners think it'll never happen to me. Mm -hmm. You know, car, you know, we have car insurance, yet the number of car accidents out there are really fairly minimal. We have house insurance. Again, the number of true disasters with homes is usually fairly minimal. Uh, when you look at the prevalence of fraud, it's actually more prevalent than car accidents. 
and um, house disasters. And yet more business owners go without the coverage for that. And one final question I think is, do you, do you have any thoughts on or stories that you have of how a business owner actually found out like things that they should be subtle things that they should be looking for that could indicate that there could be fraud already happening? You know, one of the biggest things is just watch the money. The, if you don't seem to have the money that you should, you need to look to see what should be coming in. Um, is it really a revenue issue or an expense issue? But if everything is about the same as it was, where's the money going? You know, common sense, gut feeling sometimes is one of the best things you can do to figure that out. Um, the other thing is, as we talked about briefly earlier, is have some type of tip hotline, either a service or an anonymous tip hotline. That's how you're going to find out about most frauds is in that manner. Um, things such as financial audits actually are very low on the totem pole to finding out some type of fraudulent situation. Yeah, that's kind of a misconception, right? It that is. Just because you're having your books audited or you have an accountant, you know, a big accounting firm, I think a lot of their language is they're not there to detect fraud. You know, they're looking at things they maybe have to uh, say if they identified it. But if you if you have a business that is having an issue or suspects, you know, maybe they just have a gut instinct. What are kind of one of the first things that you do when you enter that business to start to get the lay of the land or understand if something's happening? You know, for us, it's finding out what's their process. You know, how does the money flow? It's all about tracking the money, follow the money. Um, how's money come into the business? Where does it come from? Is it loans? Is it revenue? Is it multiple sources of revenue? And then how's the money leave the business? And who has control over the money leaving? So step one is finding out the process and then finding the holes in that process. Once you find the holes, which are not too hard to identify, then you start just doing rough testing down each of those holes or those avenues and start to see where you see discrepancies. Generally, that's how we end up finding fraud is in that manner. Um, clearly about 80% of the frauds that we uncover are that easy, if that makes sense, to uncover by following that same process or investigative process that gets about 80% of them out there. Uh, fraudsters, because most are first-time offenders, as you mentioned earlier, um, aren't that creative. Um, they often follow a pattern um, within a few, a few different options. Well, but, and, and I think that, you know, I appreciate all of this information. I think it's been very helpful, but I think that, you know, you have to give yourself some credit. People like you who have, who really have been um, helping businesses determine, detect, identify fraud, you see a hundred different ways that it could be done. So when you come in, you see it, it it's very apparent but for the business owner, for other people, everybody thinks that, you know, I'm covering my tracks. And really, even for traditional accountants or traditional um, financial advisors and such, it, 
they can be successful doing that, but it comes from years of experience of seeing different ways it can be done that when you go in, it becomes very apparent. So I think you got to give yourself a little bit more credit that it's, it's not easy for everyone, but it definitely <laughs> is if you've been doing it for um, quite a while. So I appreciate right. it. Any last tips we have during this pandemic crisis mode that, that business owners should be aware of? You know, just be diligent, just be diligent, communicate. Um, you learn a lot by talking to your employees and your repair people and your suppliers and trust your gut. You know, sometimes something just feels wrong. You know, communicating, understanding, talking to them is really helpful in figuring out if something's wrong. I completely agree. And that's why I think that if you have the gut instinct, you may not be able to figure it out yourself. And that's when you really need somebody to come in and help you because, you know, you don't want to be the person that messes it all up. And then you have a, an employee suing you in some capacity because you didn't have all the correct information or you approached it completely, um, you know, in a way that was not helpful to the situation. Um, but I appreciate it. This is Mark Nicholas. Um, he is the owner of Financial Litigation Consultants. And it's been a pleasure. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks for having me.